DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined by Dave Southern, the Boise State writer for The Athletic. Dave, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, as, as I said, always always glad to be on with uh, David and Patrick, just like uh, me and my brothers. So uh, hope you guys are doing good. <laughs> We're doing well. And before we get to breaking down the Broncos, I'm curious first, uh, the attitude among the fans and also uh, you know more the team and the staff. And I know I'm asking two questions at once, so you can keep them straight here. I know you can do it, Dave. Uh, but we're always looking for rivalries. And my theory is that rivalries happen when somebody takes something away from somebody else. You wanted that. You want it back. So it's tough for BYU because they're an independent, right? So you can't have the conference cha- – you can't battle for the conference championship with somebody. Mm-hmm. But Boise State wants to go to one of the New Year's Six Bowls. And they were 12-1 and after they beat Hawaii to win the conference championship. And the one was the loss to BYU. How much did that juice up the rivalry? How fired up were people about that? And how much will that amp up the game the next time they meet? It's going to really amp it up. And, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, I, I just, we have a story. Um, I, I On Monday, I published a, a fan survey and, Left it open ended, asking about who Boise State's biggest rival is, and I I have the feeling it's going to be it's going to be BYU, and I and I think that uh, what really helps it is that it's been competitive. Um, you know, obviously Boise State had a decent run where games were still close, but they won them. But BYU won the last one, and the fact that yes, if if they hadn't lost that game, they would have been a New Year's Six Bowl. They would have they they definitely would have done it, and. Um, I think with uh, with the way that that game went, the fact that Boise State didn't have you know their best quarterback playing, they didn't have um, you know a, a very good showing down there. I think it's really going to fire people up, and I think that if you think about what they have at home this year, they have seven home games. They have Florida State coming in, Utah State comes in, and BYU, and I think that the fact that they've been by far the most competitive team with Boise State year in, year out, maybe with the exception of Air Force. Uh, it, I, I think it, it, really, it really gets people fired up. And I think this year where the game lies, it lies in a similar place that it did last year on the schedule. So I think that they have a lot of good reasons to be looking forward to that game. And I, I think that last year really is going to keep it going. So as far as the team goes for next season, start from the administrative standpoint. They lose the quarterback coach coordinator, Zach Hill. I hope you're going to tell me he's awesome because I'm a Sun Devil grad and he's gone down to the desert at Arizona State. So he's gone now, and they were really good under him. I think he was there, what, for four years? Five years. And did an ex- yep. Okay. Did a pretty good job, and which is why uh, Herm Edwards hired him, obviously. But tell us about this other guy that they have replacing and how much Harson is going to give him – uh, the ability to run the offense. Yeah, um, so so uh, Zach did a really good job here, and it, it, it's such a that's a tough job in Boise, Idaho. Is if if you're not scoring, you know, 42 a game week in week out, some people might think something's wrong. And I um, I, I think Zach did a fine job, and and I think he'll do well at Arizona State. He's a smart guy, but um, promoting Eric Kesaw was really a no brainer for them. I, I know they looked at other candidates, but. But Keesaw has been a really, really important part of the of the staff, and as good of an assistant coach they've had last couple of years, their wide receivers have been really, really good. That was Eric's job. Now he takes over as the OC quarterbacks coach, and 
he has experience doing that. He did it at Colorado. He did it at Washington. He's done it at Fresno State. He's done it before. When he's had those both responsibilities, his offenses has usually not been very good, but he's been in tough situations in those places. So I think that um, history isn't necessarily on his side, but his experience in Boise, he knows the offense. Um, he's a very smart guy. He's well-liked. Um, I, I think it won't be a change really at all. It's, the system's going to be the same. Um, he knows it. He knows the personnel. He's worked with the quarterbacks before, although not as closely. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that they're not really going to miss a beat. And if you look at what they have coming back with you know, their best quarterback, a 1,000-yard rusher, you know, one of the best receivers in the conference in the West, and Khalil Shakir, I think he's going to be just, just fine. You know, I think uh, just because of the nature of the quarterback position, people you know follow them and know them. But Boise State's had some good running backs over the years, and it's not just that they have Holani coming back, who's a thousand yard rusher you reference, and he did it averaging over five yards a carry. You know, if you do it under five, mm-hmm. that's just kind of a volume thing. But over five yards a carry, I think usually gets the attention. But to have a freshman, a sophomore, and a junior running back. And the, the three of them combined average 1,700. That is, I think the cliche is, that's a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, is it going to be those three in, that, in the same order? They pretty much, the pecking order pretty much established there? Or can there be some competition at that spot? There will be competition, but the, the pecking order, I think, I think really kind of sh- shook itself out last year when um, Rob Mahone, you know, at the beginning of the year, he ran for 142 at Florida State, and we all thought, oh, there's the next 1,000-yard back. But he just kind of fell off a little bit. He got dinged up here and there. Um, you know, he's occasionally had fumble issues in the past. And George Helani was a big-time recruit for a good reason. And he, as you kind of alluded to, he didn't have a big volume because he didn't take over as a starter until midway through the year. He got a lot of work early on, granted. But midway through the year, it wasn't until he became the starter. But, but this year, I really do think that it would be George Helani won. And you have Rob Mahone, who's, you know, 220 pounds, um, as the number two back and that number three um, that you mentioned, Andrew Van Buren. Van Buren's checking in about 230 right now. So those two power backs with, with Holani, who's a little more slippery um, but still pretty versatile, um, I, I think it's a pretty good combo. They're very happy with it because they have those three and only one other scholarship running back. They, did, they haven't added any others yet. Didn't add any in this last recruiting class. They seem pretty content with where they were, and I, I think it, it'll stick as it was at the end of the year. Bachmeyer, the quarterback, as a uh, what a freshman last year, I'd have to say mm-hmm. that he was overall pretty good. I mean, it was sensational against Florida State. Uh, made some freshman injury uh, mistakes, had some injuries too, but it looks like they've got something in him. Correct? Yeah, he he's if, if you look, he's um, you know, at least according twenty four seven the second highest recruit in terms of rankings they've ever signed. Um, he came in with so much hype and. He lived up to it for the most part. You know, he started right away as a true freshman. That had never happened here. Um, a, a true freshman starting on opening day for for Boise State. So he, um, he 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 has a lot of people excited. And I think that, as you kind of mentioned, they when he got hurt kind of midway through the year against Hawaii, he had been averaging almost 200 yards a game passing when he started. And then then he came back for one game against San Jose, wasn't great, got hurt in that game. And then, and then when he came back again against um, against Washington, wasn't wasn't at his best. So I think that you know, with if he hadn't gotten hurt, it would be really really interesting to see where he goes. And 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 he's been 
everything that they've kind of wanted. Um, the ceiling's really high. You look at the numbers, and they look good. But you got to consider that he, of course, didn't play all season, only played in eight games. So, um, so I think that the sky's the limit for that guy. He's definitely going to be the starter. They, they bring back Chase Court, who started against BYU last year. Um, but but it, it's Hank's job, and, and I think they're really excited about the future with him, especially if he can correct some of those you know, true freshman mistakes he made last year, taking hits he shouldn't have, maybe throwing some passes deep into double coverage that were not smart, those sort of things. If he can fix those, um, he's going to be the next really good one that they've had up here. So that leaves the receiving core. John Hightower's off to the Eagles, but Khalil Shakir is back, and he had over 800 yards receiving. C.T. Thomas is back, too. Who else can they add to that group, and is Shakir the, the ace? Yeah, yeah, Shakir, I think, I think is the guy that people, uh, maybe more so than Hank, people are excited about up here that just, um, the, you know, he has been so versatile for them, scoring, you know, six receiving touchdowns last year, three rushing, even threw one. Um, he, you know, he's, he's a guy that played a lot of running back in high school. So, so Boise State's used him on, you know, the jet sweeps and the, and the wildcat stuff. And, um, Khalil's going to be, going to be the number one for them by far there. And, and you mentioned CT, um, Octavius Evans, who's a senior, had a pretty decent game last year against BYU. He had, I think, five catches. And he, um, he's been a guy that they've had really high expectations for. But two years ago, he got hurt, got lost in the shuffle last year. I think this is the year that he's really going to be able to, you know, break out, you know, be that 30 to 40 catch type guy. And, um, and then right behind him, I, I, they have, they have some talent. I, you know, I think that one of the guys that would stand out to me is Stephen Cobbs, who's a sophomore. Um, he, his first career catch was a 44 yard touchdown against Portland State. And redshirt freshman Shea Whiting was the scout team player of the year. They have, they have depth there. And, and again, it's credit to Eric Keesaw. And I think that Matt Miller, the new receivers coach, inherits a really good group. Curtis Weaver was a stud defensively as, what, a defensive end linebacker. I think he was uh, Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know they got a kid, uh, Brock Miller, would transfer from NC State, I think. But how big of a loss is Weaver, and how are they going to be able to compensate for it? Weaver is a huge loss. You know, he was, you know, left as the, the you know, he only played three years, but left as the Mountain West all-time sack leader. He had 34, so um, that's going to be a big miss, but there, there is like I think a bit of a silver lining in that. Last year, toward the end of the year, he was he was dinged up a little bit, just wasn't as productive. Um, he had one sack in the last five games, but in those five games, Demetri Washington, who was his backup, he had four, and um, Washington is just kind of the next man up to that position. And all coaches have not shied away from putting really high expectations on him, so I think he's a guy that will definitely. You know, be in the mix to maybe have double-digit sacks, and there's other guys in that group. Casey Klein was a four-star signee last year who redshirted. Um, Sam Whitney's a six-year senior at that position, and Miller's coming in. He can play wherever as a linebacker. So they've got a lot. They've got a lot of options there. I think they feel okay about it because of that. But no matter how you shake it, you know, you're going to lose one of the best pass rushers in school history, and it's going to take a little bit of time to make up for it. Riley Wimpy at linebacker, uh, the leading tackler. So when your name is Wimpy, do you just as a as a kid in elementary school at recess, you got two ways to go: you either turn into a linebacker and a tough guy, or people just yeah. taunt you and you recede into the corner. Yeah, exactly. He he, he kind of told me that uh, that he, he tries not to embrace the last name and you know and, and live to it, but 
what, what, what kind of helped him too is his two older brothers you know, played at Utah State and they're old linemen. So he kind of had he kind of had that too, knowing that like, well, if anybody made fun of him, he just had these giant brothers to go help him out. But uh, yeah, you know, Riley's been a really important part of the team, and um, yeah, leading tackler got actually tore his ACL against BYU uh, in 2018 up here, and he uh, you know, he's. He's a hard-nosed guy, and I think that he fits in well at that weak side spot, which is kind of where Leighton Vander Esch used to play. And Brock Miller's going to factor in there. Zeke Noah, who's the middle linebacker, he used to play weak side. So, so you know, Riley has help if he needs it, but, you know, he, he, he had a really good year last year. I'm wondering about Marson. You know, he's got the Boise roots, but last year was, what, their fourth straight season with at least 10 wins, and we've seen his predecessors at some point when they've had success take off. What do you think is going to happen there? I think I think with him, he won't say which jobs, but I think there are only a select few jobs that maybe he would, that he would leave for. Um, I think a big part of it is, yeah, he spent his entire life here other than Early on, right after he graduated from college, he spent one year in Eastern Oregon, and he came back here, and you know, of course, went to Texas and Arkansas State for a bit. But he is—he is a Boise guy. He's building a new house here. He is just born and bred, and and, and it, I, I think as long—and he said this before—as long as the school is trying to do things like improve facilities and or pay assistance as much as they can, he's going to stick around. And I, I think unless you know an Oregon comes around at him. That 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 this is the place for him. I don't, you know, or USC or whatever. There's only a couple programs I think that he would go to, and and, and you know, if Texas came. And so I think that that he's gonna he's gonna be around. And um, the the other coaches, Chris Peterson stuck around longer than people thought. And I think Brian Harson is gonna be the same way, just because I think he is happy here, and I think that he likes to win. He hates to lose. He doesn't want to go anywhere where where he have to rebuild or anything like that. So I think that you know he's gonna stick around here and. As much as it comes up every off season that oh X Y Z school is interested, he stays, and I think by people are getting used to that a little bit, and maybe thinking he's going to continue to be here for the long haul. So maybe all the coaches are tied, or maybe just as a Boise guy, you just follow all the guys. But the fact is, uh, Dan Hawkins going to Colorado, and that all blowing up, kind of a cautionary tale, and he's at UC Davis now, which is his alma mater. So I guess mm-hmm. there's an appeal there. But it's kind of uh, that's just kind of the cautionary tale, and they know how good they have it unless they really hit a home run. Yeah, and and, and Chris Pearson himself would always say it. he would allude to it that he would just say, hey. The grass isn't always greener, you know that old saying. But but he used to say it multiple times because Dirk Cutter went to Arizona State. He did he did well, but still didn't have a long tenure there. And I think that and I think that Harson saw that. Harson saw how selective Chris Peterson was, and I think that that he he's learned from the guys in front of him that you know you don't have to take any job just because it's the Power Five. That you know you might be done in four years and looking for another job, and 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 Boise's a good place to be and. They're, they're going to give you what you need. I think that, that he sees that, and that's part of the reason he's been here since 2014 and doesn't show any signs of leaving anytime soon. So when you think of Boise State you know, football, obviously you think of winning and offense, but you also think of them getting uh, maybe the kid who was overlooked and then he builds himself up. But, you know, they've sent so many guys, high picks too. You take a look at the Ezra Cleveland offensive line. I think he mm-hmm. went in the second round. Uh, so they're a significant factor now. It's not just uh, the under-recruited kid. They're getting 
player. Bachmeyer highly recruited and all that stuff. So my point for you, are they able to, have they been able to really elevate their their recruiting to get players that they really think is going to, they're going to be not just contributors, but be stars, NFL guys, rather than trying to find the diamond in the rough all the time? Yeah, you're 100% right. I, I do think that it's shifted a little bit away from the old the old mentality. And, you know, the, 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 every class is going to have some of those guys. But the, I, I think in the, in, the last, in the last two classes, they've only had, I want to say, about three or four guys who didn't have at least a Power 5 offer. And, you know, I, I remember back in the past when, when, when they would get some guys, they would get some guys that, that didn't have a Power 5 offer that they were only beating Mountain West schools for. And that was not that long ago. And I think that th- their national profile has increased and they have been able to go to Texas and get guys. And um, you know, they've been able to, to expand their recruiting base a little bit to find guys that, that fit the mold for them, even if they have the Power 5 offers. I think that they, they've been able to show kids, hey, do you want to win? Do you want to go to the NFL? Like, like you said, if they can pitch that stuff, do you want to go to you know, live in a good city? Sure. All those things have helped them out. And I think now that, you know, that, that they're able to compete with those schools, that it's common where, where you see, oh, where does this kid that has got commits? Oh, where, 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 where would he get offers? You know, they're, they're only one for the 2021 class. A kid named Jai Jones from Texas, he had an offers from LSU. He had the offers from Texas A&M. So they're able to pull some of these guys out. And now that, as you said, that should now be their recruiting, you know, that should be their identity, that they can beat those schools. It's not just finding the guy that played at eight-man ball in Riggins, Idaho. They've got, they've got more than that. And I think that uh, as, as the wins total up, it really helps them get those sorts of guys. So looking at the schedule this year, Florida State is coming in and – PK and I have been doing radio for a while. We've been told a few times by different people, don't do list radio. And then you turn on some successful show and they're doing list radio. And you (laughs) turn on ESPN in the morning and they're doing list TV. And I was thinking, if you did a column there, a list of the best, the biggest name opponents, the most exciting opponents to get people fired up, where would Florida State fit on the list? Who are the other big dogs who've been in? I remember Oregon. Um and then it looks like they have some other good teams coming in the future as well that they're able to get on the blue turf. Yeah, the, a lot of those games, a big, big credit goes to Mark Coyle, who's now the AD at Minnesota. Um, you know, Mark did a great, great job scheduling back when he was here. Um, Florida State, of course, being the big one. Florida State, that game, like, when it got announced, man, like seven, it was seven years ago, it was 2013 when that game got announced, the people – couldn't, they couldn't believe it up here. You, you don't get Florida State coming into Boise. They think they can compete with Florida State, but those teams never want to come here. So there has been a challenge in terms of getting that quality of opponent up here. So I think that would have to be number one in terms of the excitement level. And the only reason I even hesitate is because Chris Peterson came up here uh, in his second season at Washington. And that, of course, was a madhouse. But that Washington team, they were still not quite there. And I think the, the, the level of talent at Florida State and, and the name, people get excited for that. So Florida State won that Washington game number two. But, of course, we can't forget that, you know, Oregon came up here in, two, you know, in 2009, the LeGarrette Blunt game, the Byron Hout postgame thing. And that was a huge deal, too. Oregon, of course, you know, ended up having a great year that year, too. And 
Um, so those three, I think, would, would have been the biggest. You know, the, the 2015 Washington, 2009 Oregon, but I, I would I would prefer to stay number one. Well, Oregon or Oklahoma State, uh, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. UCF coming in, so there are there are some big name teams headed up there in these coming years. Well, Dave, it's good to talk to you and uh, say hi to your brothers, David and Patrick. Yeah, I will absolutely, guys. You guys take care.